0: take your seat. Well it's a real joy to be here this morning and uh, all the way from Palmerston North as Aaron said and um, it's a delight actually to be sharing in your worship and uh, connecting with you at Connect. Yeah Yeah. it's all about connecting right? Sometimes Christians don't understand that it's all about connecting it's all about relationship. Um, You know right now there's a there's a resurgence of a, a strain of Christianity that makes it all about the information and not about the person. And uh, we've got to be really careful that we don't get um, what I call biblically constipated. <laughs> when, you, when that happens, all that's going to solve that is a real move of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> right? So I just thought I'd throw that in there. It's not on my notes, I haven't got my wife here yet, she'll come to the next service, so I'm, I'm a bit loose. <laughs> we want to um, share with you, I want to share with you this morning about what it means to be the new creation, to be the transformed you. And um, you know, when I became a Christian right back in 1974, it's quite a while ago, some of you might not have been born then, um, I was just so excited that God wanted me to be a part of the family. You know, I, I met with him in my, in my bedroom. Um, I'd been influenced by some Christians who'd been witnessing to me. I argued with them most of the time. And, uh, but I came to this point where I just had this urgent feeling that if I didn't find God, I would somehow, it would be too late. Now, of course, I don't believe that theologically, but the, the reality was I had this urgent feeling that I had to find God. I knelt down on my bed Bedroom, and uh, I just said, God, if you're really there, come into my life, change my life, and He, um, and He did. Actually, what happened right at that moment is I just got into bed and went to sleep. Um, <clears throat> but I woke up in the morning and I was having this vision, and in in this vision, the room was filled with light, and I was just amazed at the glory of God. And then I realized it was just the sun coming through the window. <laughs> But, you know, I knew that the atmosphere had changed. I felt something different. I I thought, something's happened. And I could hear this beautiful sound, and I got up and walked to the window. It was was sort of summertime, early in 1974, January, around about that time. I'd gone to Auckland to work up there, and I was staying in an apartment just off Simon Street. And uh, I looked out this window. We're on the third floor, and down in the bottom on the dry leaves, there was a hedgehog walking around on the dry leaves. And it was the most beautiful sound I'd ever heard. And I stared at this hedgehog walking on the dry leaves for about 45 minutes. And then it dawned on me, maybe that born again thing's happened to me. You know, it's like, why is this hedgehog that I used to squash on the roads, suddenly the most transfixing, beautiful thing? And you know, the sky looked bluer, the trees were greener. Other people have had this experience. I thought, I think that born again. Things happened to me. And from that moment, I walked with God. And you know, the, the revelation I had right then, before I knew anything, before I read the Bible, before any Christians got to me, <laughs> the thing I knew was I had been adopted into the family of God, that God had accepted me into his family. Now, then the Christians got a hold of me, and they started telling me what to think and what to believe and what not to do and what I should do. And, you know, and then I went into a 10-year wilderness of being a Christian, you know. Um, And finally, after 10 years, I remember standing on the stage one day in church with my hands lifted up in the air, singing a worship song that we sang every week because the worship leader liked it. And I can remember thinking, this is so boring. And I stood there, and it was a terrible attitude, and it was shocking. And I stood there, and I had my hands up, and I, I, my mind was wandering into wonder what Mary's cooking for lunch. And of course, and I was a pastor now. And I'm standing there thinking, and the thought came to me, I've got to get back to how it was before I knew anything. And so, folks, I want to, I want to say to you this morning, God has called you to be you. God hasn't called you to try and copy some other person that you think is more spiritual or more godly, but he's called you to truly be you, but he's called you to be a transformed you, the the, the, the complete you, the whole you, the, the supernatural you. And often we settle for something so much less. And so this morning, I, I just really want to provoke you with some ideas and thoughts about this and see if we can... See if we can encourage one another to actually be the best you that you can be. Amen? Is that cool? So, you know, especially in this day and age, we are surrounded by darkness. In fact, a few years ago, I thought, God, tell me to stop watching the news. Because I was starting to be dragged down into the soup of despondency and discouragement. And I was starting to feel like the darkness was greater than the light. And it wasn't true, of course, I knew what the truth was, but the truth wasn't setting me free because I was my eyes were being constantly filled with the images and attitudes of the world as I was a news fanatic. And so I stopped watching the news and uh, I, I started pursuing God in a, a fresh way. And it's a long story, I won't give you the whole details, but I actually had a, a revival in my life where I found God and I found his... I found a conversation with God where he spoke to me more than I spoke to him. And I started writing down what I felt God was saying and it totally transformed my life. And in the midst of all these dark and difficult times, I've had God speaking to me hope and life and purpose and possibility and direction. And so I want you to to have a confidence in your own heart that he wants to do that for you. It'll be different for you because you're unique. You're the best you there is. Just turn to someone and say, You're the best you there is. Yeah, I don't want you to try and be like me. I'm the best me that there is, so there's only room for one in the world. And so you, you can't be copying someone else. You have to be who God's made you to be. And, uh, you know, our identity, who we are, and our perception of who we are fuels our behavior. So many Christians feel that they fall way short of what they think they should be. And therefore, they perform way short of what they're capable of. Because what you believe, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And you start to be what you think you are. But you've got to stop being what you think you are, and I want to help you to start being what God thinks you are. Right? That's where we're headed. We're headed headed into his revelation and dream and vision for what he has for his sons and daughters. Um, Who you are is much more important than what you do. And, and it will come out. The value system of any community will eventually be seen. And if your value system is faulty, then that will come out in your behaviors and how you interact with one another. And my, one of my value systems that was really faulty was that I thought that God could have chosen someone much better to be the senior pastor of our church. Uh, Ken Wright, who was m- my spiritual dad, he passed away and suddenly my wife and I were thrust into this role of being the senior leaders of the church. I spent, I spent several years telling God all the reasons why I think I wasn't suited for the job. And really part of my heart was to be in mission, to be, to be in mission overseas, not pastoring a church. I didn't want to pastor a church, I never desired to pastor a church, but God put me in there. You know why God put me there? Because he chooses the weak and foolish things of this world to confound the wise because he knew that I would have to depend on him to do the job that he called me to do instead of doing it out of my own strength. And so after about three years of telling God, most quiet times, that I thought he should have chosen someone else, he finally told me, he said, John I don't want you to ever say this to me again. I, I chose you because you are the right person at the right place at the right time with the right attitude of heart and I don't want to have this conversation anymore. I said, okay. So we never talked about it again. And then after that, he said, now I want you to raise up a successor. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? So I raised up David to lead the church, and in 2007, he took over leading the church, and I became his associate and his assistant for 12 years. And then at the end of last year, I retired. Hallelujah. And uh, I haven't retired from ministry. I've just retired from leadership in the local church. And so now... I am free to talk about the things that often pastors don't talk about because they're trying to, they're trying to make everybody think it's all going great. <laughs> Folks, our Christianity is a reflection of our relationship with Jesus. Our Christianity is not based on information. It's not based on, um, it's not based on success. It's not based on on whether or not our prayer life makes us feel good or not. It's based on whether or not we are connecting with Jesus. And I've discovered in prayer that listening is more important than talking. And we wanna, we wanna sort of explore this a bit more this morning because um, your identity before God, not before the people, but your identity before God is the thing that is most going to energize your sense of significance and worth, and fruitfulness. Significance, worth, and fruitfulness. Every human is looking for significance. You know, when I was young, I thought it was fame. That's why I got into television. I thought I'll I'll join, I'll get in TV, and then you can become famous if you go into TV. But I discovered it wasn't there. And it wasn't until I became a Christian that that I suddenly, in that moment of time, that morning that I woke up in the glory, I realized I was significant, that God the God of the universe had looked down on me and said, yes, I want you in the family. That I was significant. My significance came from my identity, not from my performance. And then as I've walked with God, I've realized that fruitfulness and success, although I don't like using that word, I prefer fruitfulness, comes out of our relationship with God, not out of our ability to fulfill certain um, tasks or functions or ministry giftings. You know, we, back in the day when we were young Christians, there was a lot of teaching on giftings and finding a gift. And do you know what your gift is? You know what my gift is? The Holy Ghost. And as long as the Holy Spirit is giving, getting free access to every part of my being, then the gifts will flow. On the days I need to be an evangelist, I'll be an evangelist. On the days I need to be a prophet, I'm a prophet. On the days that I need to bring healing to someone, I lay my hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's not about me finding my gift, it's about me walking in the gift. And so God wants our identity to be based in him, not in our own sense of significance based on our own abilities and our own perceptions of ourselves. That's why Jesus gives us a new identity. So our identity doesn't come from our behaviors or performance. Our true identity is given to us by Christ, not created by us, through our devotional or Christian disciplines. Now, some people hide themselves in Christian activity, and that makes them feel like they're significant as Christians. But I tell you what, it's what the people of the world say about you that is the greatest testimony. You know, you can hide amongst a bunch of Christians, do the talk, go to the meetings, follow the pattern. I learned how to pray. Oh, God. You know, I learned how to pray because I listened to how other people prayed. Until God said, why do you do that? Why do you do do that? Oh God stuff. Why do you have a different voice for prayer than, you know. know? Have you ever noticed that? And prophets, I can remember in my day growing up, prophets used to frighten the bejesus out of me because they would jump up and go, "Thus say the Lord. You know, and it was like you weren't ready for it, you know. Now, I think there is a time for an explosive expression of human emotion, because God's made us that way. But most of the time, you know, it's, it's much more sensitive to say to someone, you know, when I was standing beside you, I just had a sense that God might want to say this to you. And I've discovered that people can actually receive that. Non-Christians can, can receive that. I was in a, a, a cafe the other day, and I wasn't trying to listen to a conversation, but there was a conversation going on over here, a business conversation, and I knew that God wanted me to speak into it. And I'm thinking, oh, God, I don't want to do that. I think I'm some kind of kook, you know. And as I'm sitting there, he said, I just want you to say this. I want you to say, this is not a time for shrinking back. It's a time for boldness and innovation. That's all I want you to say. I'm drinking my coffee. <laughs> anyway, I'm thinking, well, how do I get into this conversation? You know, they're having a business. Meeting. got papers and laptops and stuff, you know. Anyway, they pack up, and it's, they're about to leave. And they're just pausing, putting on their jackets. And I said, excuse me. I said, I wasn't really listening to the conversation. But while you were talking, I just really felt I should say this to you. It's not a time for shrinking back. It's a time for its boldness and innovation. The woman went bright red. She went bright red. I mean, I, had, I didn't think I'd said anything embarrassing. And then the man just looked at me and said, thank you. Thank you. Like... And that was it. I didn't say, now, Jesus told me that. (laughs) Thus saith the Lord. I didn't do that. It was a moment of wisdom and revelation to them. And if they don't work out it was from Jesus, that's in God's timing, okay? I said what he gave me to say. I was just obedient. And Jesus was revealed whether they realized it or not. And we've got to learn to be at rest in this identity that we've given him, and not say more than we should say, but certainly not be silent when he's told us to speak up. And it's hard to do that sometimes. You know, um, Peter, the great apostle Peter, learned to say only what the Father gave him to say and to work only in the energy that God provides. You know why so many people in Christian ministry burn out? It's because they're trying to do God's work with man's strength. If God's not energizing you to do something, you better not do it. You better ask him what to do. Don't just sit there and do nothing. Watch television. You know, I've had people who've been prophesied over and they've, they've um, been sitting there at home watching TV waiting for the urge to jump into ministry to come upon them. That's not what it's about. It's about getting in the presence of God and asking him to energize what he's spoken over your life. Amen? All right, let's move on. So just some scriptures, I think I've seen them on the screen, John 15 there. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. So it's not about you, it's about him. I've chosen you and I've appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will remain. And if you get this, you can ask me for anything. I looked up anything in the dictionary, it means anything. You don't just have to ask him for spiritual stuff. I asked for a wife and I got one. She's not here yet but I, I asked Lord I'd, I'd like to marry someone like Mary and one day God said to me, well what about Mary <laughs> I said, but she's a school teacher I mean when you're a dropout you don't marry school teachers you know it's like I'd like to marry someone like Mary God said, well what about Mary it's just tell in Corinthians Paul says, if you're in Christ you're a new creation the old hat's gone and behold all things have become new. I looked up all in the dictionary. It means all. Yeah. And the Bible's true. In Ephesians, Paul said, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Look, there's just a multitude of scriptures where God has said, look, I've given you a new identity. I want you to walk in it, but I don't want you to try harder. Stop trying to be Christian. Stop trying to be what you think you should be, because you'll just mess it up. Because you'll think you should have hair when you haven't. You'll think you should be a, a, have curly hair when you've got straight hair. You'll think, you know, when your gift is evangelism, you'll think, oh, I want to be a pastor. Or when you're a pastor, it, you, you'll think you should be an evangelist. Folks, you've got to stop all that silliness. That's all Christian mumbo-jumbo. It's what other people project on you. I spent way too many years worrying about what the church thought instead of worrying about what he thought. And when you start being who he's made you to be, then you become very fruitful because all things are made new, all things. Even the bits about yourself that you're not that happy about. <clears throat> so, finding one's true sense of identity is this journey that we're on with Jesus. And you know, finding that, that sense of purpose and direction is, um, it's a mystery. You sometimes don't find it in church. In fact, sometimes you you find it more at work than at church. In fact, you should perhaps look for it more at work than at church because you spend more time at work than at church. And if that's not the will of God, why are you there? If working eight hours a day, five days a week or six days a week is not the will of God for you, what the heck are you doing it for? If you're doing it just to pay the bills, that's not a good reason. In fact, they say that 80% of men don't like their jobs. And, you know, often that's because they're called to do something else, but they're just too afraid to step out and give it a go. My son wrote a book called Plan A, Getting Your Plan B Life Back on Track. You can get it on the internet if you're interested. But so many people are living a plan B life because they just don't believe that the dream in their mind that seems impossible is actually God. And listen, folks, if the dream in you seems impossible, that's the proof it is God because you can only fulfill the dream with Him. It's not going to be something you can do in your own strength. If your life is all about doing what you can do in your own ability and strength, then that's not the God factor. It's not that it's bad. It's just not supernatural. Walking with God is always being called to go beyond what you think you're capable of. But so many people settle for something less, and we're not to do that. All things have become new so that we can be very fruitful and find significance that gives us a true sense that our life has been worthwhile. You know, I've been in ministry over 30 years, and... um, uh, it's it's so many ups and downs, there's too many to talk about. But I look back now and I am really satisfied that what I have spent my life doing was valuable and fruitful. But I'm not satisfied with what has been what is behind. Forgetting what is behind, I'm pressing on for something greater. You know? I'm only sixty seven for goodness sake. I've got a lot of years in me yet. See? Amen. Someone say amen. If I'd been in the early service and said that, they would have all said amen, you know? (laughs) Gosh. So we are on this journey to find, and and remember, the fulfillment of the journey is not in this earth. The fulfillment in, in the journey is on the other side where we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few little things. Now, this is what I've got in store for you. This is where I really want you to get into. That's what we're preparing for. This is just this is just university. This is just higher education before we get to the real thing. Yeah? Come on. You want me to give you something for now? I'll give you a little bit for now, but really what we're preparing for is what comes after this. You know, in our scripture, our main scripture, Ephesians 4, we have this very interesting collection of phrases where Paul says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your mind. The King James says, in the spirit of your mind. And to put on your new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, folks, some people teach that we can never be like God. That's not what the Bible says. Paul said, your new self was created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. True righteousness and holiness is achievable in this life. But it's not, the true righteousness, it's not righteousness and holiness as religion says it is. You know, true righteousness is being in right standing with God. And true holiness is being wholly surrendered. It's not, it's not about what, whether or not someone else thinks you're holy and righteous. It's whether or not he thinks you're holy and righteous. You know, some of my behaviors are questionable as a human because I don't fit into the religious mold. You know, I, my early years was in the Anglican church. I really didn't fit in the Anglican church. My vicar had the wisdom to say, it's time for you to go into Pentecost. I used to sit there during the 1662 and just speak loudly in tongues. And it didn't make for unity. (laughs) So God released me into a Pentecostal church where I could speak loudly in tongues and everybody else just joined in. One of the problems with trying to find identity in the wrong things is that when your identity isn't truly at rest in your relationship with Jesus, the promises of God don't work in your life. The promises of God are only for the sons and daughters of God. And they're not automatic. If your alignment with the Lord is not according to his plan and purpose, the promises don't automatically happen. Just look at the children of Israel. So many promises over their lives. They didn't fulfill them. They were called to be the priest nation of the world. It never happened because they did not align themselves with God. So Israel never became the priest nation of all the earth. And we're called to be a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to the Lord. But if our alignment is not right, it won't happen. And the world won't see us. The world won't flock into here because they see us as those with the answers. They'll just see us as the judgmental, critical people that keep pointing out their faults. Folks, We're not here because we're better than everybody else. We're here because God opened our eyes to see a purpose and direction that we couldn't see before he opened our eyes. I don't stand before you today because I responded out of my deep spiritual godliness to the call of God. I I stand here today. I was hijacked. I was press ganged. I I I was plucked from my life of sin. And my eyes were opened, and I couldn't walk any longer in that manner. Two weeks after I became a Christian, I suddenly realized I wasn't using the F word. And I thought to myself, I wonder why I don't use the F word anymore. It's it's weird, it just doesn't come into my head. I just, you know, I even had a go at using it. It just didn't feel right. (laughs) Like, I didn't try to stop swearing, I just stopped swearing. Why? Because it was God at work within me to willing to do his good pleasure. Most of my life has been God moving me into spaces that I didn't particularly want to go and accomplishing work in and through me without, with me standing going, wow, wow. Someone asked me once, how do you have a word of knowledge? I don't know. just popped into my head. And I've learned just to say it and hope that it's true. And most of the time it is. Actually, walking with God is easy if you surrender to it. And don't fight it. So, this is what true sonship is. This is what true identity is in in the Christian life. It's not us trying to align ourselves with a whole lot of religious expectations and frameworks. It's about us walking with Jesus. Do you know the Bible wasn't even written when the first disciples walked the earth? The Torah was written in some of the some of the ancient passages, the poetic passages, but they didn't carry Bibles around with them, quoting scriptures at everybody. They listened to Jesus and followed him. And, you know, Jesus didn't quote scripture. He said, it is written. Don't you love that? It is written. Jesus wasn't devalued because he couldn't tell you exactly where the, value, the, the verse in the chapter was. He just says, it is written. It is written. You'll, put, you'll not put the Lord your God to foolish tests. I love that. There's not one place in the scripture that I can find where Jesus actually said, it is written in the book of Jeremiah. He just never said that. He just said, it is written. Doesn't that set you free? As long as you know what the scripture says, it doesn't matter if you don't know what verse it is. Uncle Google can tell you that. (laughs) Goodness me. But we are so condemned. Condemnation blocks us from being the people we're really called to be. We are so busy feeling inadequate, we don't give it a go. Now, when I was a new Christian, I didn't know about that stuff. Like I say, until the Christians got a hold of me, I didn't know that I couldn't tell people about Jesus, that I, that, that I couldn't hear the voice of God, because I just heard the voice of God all the time, and God would say, say this and say that and talk to that person, and I did. I had words of knowledge at work. I had, I had words of knowledge when I was talking to people. God would speak in my ear. I'd walk down the road talking to God like a, I was an insane person muttering away to, to my invisible friend. Until the Christians told me that you don't do that because you've got to read the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. He doesn't just speak. You know, you've got to read the Bible. of course, I did read the Bible, but it was a challenge for me because I was a remedial reader. That's why I didn't want to marry a schoolteacher. She made me sit up in bed every night and read the Bible. (laughs) She used to fall asleep. But guess what? I got healed of my reading problem, reading the Bible. And you know, I didn't let reading be a barrier to me. I just got it on cassette tape. Remember what cassette tapes were? Yeah, And I used to carry a Walkman on my hip and I used to listen to the Bible. I used to get through the whole New Testament once a week. That's how I got the Bible into me. I discovered I was an audio learner. Reading is still a bit of a challenge. Because I just don't read the words that are on the page. I make it up. Even my own notes sometimes. I'm trying to read my own notes and I get it wrong because my eyes just don't convey the right information to my mind. But I don't let that be a barrier. I don't say, oh, I can't read. You know, poor me, I can't read. So I can't really be a teacher. I can't really be a preacher. Can't really do the job God's called me to do because I can't read. If you let something be a barrier in your life, it will be. The weak things, the foolish things. Be weak and foolish. Then you'll be awesome. Because his power will be made perfect in your weakness. And and your awesomeness will not be you, it'll be him. Yeah? You with me? We all want more, right? How many of you ever prayed, I want more? Well, if you haven't, you should. I was praying I want more once and then God spoke back to me and said, I want more. I said, pardon? (laughs) I said, God said, I want more. I said, well, why do you want more? So I said, what do you want more of? He said, I want more space. I said, why do you want more space? So I can fill it, he said. And then I said, well, God, how do I give you more space? You know, it's like, I'm a pastor. I'm a, you know, I'm in ministry. My whole life is devoted to you. How do I give you more space? He said, stop watching television. I don't, I don't watch very much television. No, I mean I don't watch bad stuff. I, you know, I, I sort of unwind. I unwind watching a bit of telly. And God said, "But the problem is, you go to bed late, and then you're too tired to get up early in the morning. And there's not enough space in the day for us to have more space." So I started going to bed early and waking up, waking up without an alarm, half past four in the morning. Now, listen, I've got to tell you, this is not my natural mode. I'm just following the leadership of Jesus, surrendering to his idea, even though I think it's a dumb idea. (laughs) Get up at 4.30 in the morning and I say, so God, what do you want to say to me today? And just, what I want to say to you is, I've got got pages and pages and pages of what God said to me. I said to God once, I can't tell people some of the things you're saying because it sounds like heresy. He said, don't tell them anyway, what sounded like heresy four years ago doesn't sound like heresy now. Because as you walk with Him, what you find out is what He really means. You don't always get what He really means when He first starts talking to you. Folks, God as it work within us to willing to do His good pleasure. Can you sense it? Do you know it? Do you believe it? are you still trying to find God? Even though you're in church, you're still trying to find God. Where are you, God? I'm looking for you, God. I'm right here, you dummy. If you're a Christian today, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 verse 9 says, If anyone doesn't have the Spirit of God, they are not a Christian. But if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God. You haven't got a little bit of the Spirit of God. You've either got Him or you haven't. And if you've got Him, He is at work. But are you making space? Are you releasing the transformational work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Because the work of God in you is a person, not a process, not a program. It's a person. And these relational dynamics of putting off the old, and being made new in the attitude of your mind, and be, and putting on the new. This is the work of the Holy Spirit that we just have to cooperate with. We don't have to try and stop being grumpy, sinful people. Just surrender to the goodness of the one who is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. This is the evidence You know, you look at a Christian sometimes sitting in church with their arms folded. Okay, preacher, I've been here for 20 years. Impress me. Listen, if you've been here for 20 years with your lips stuck out and your arms folded, repent. And repent doesn't mean grovel. Repent means change the way you think. This Jesus who died on the cross for your sin lives inside your body, for goodness sake. What do you do sitting there with your arms folded, feeling disgruntled because the church hasn't delivered to you what you think it should have delivered? So many disillusioned Christians, so many grumpy people sitting at the back, criticizing the worship, criticizing the pastors, criticizing this, criticizing that. We don't like the black box and all these lights. Folks, this is not Christianity. It's just a pep talk. Christianity is what you do when you go out those doors and you walk with Jesus and you let him transform the way you think by putting off the unhelpful thinking and putting on the new thinking. You know, you can read in Colossians the details of the simple... couple of verses in Ephesians Colossians 3, it's all the details of what you have to put off and right in the middle of Colossians 3, verse 14 says, and above all put on love and in the King James it says, which is the bond of perfection if you want to be perfect created to be like God and true righteousness and holiness, just learn to love and don't, it's not just your family Even the heathen loves their family. The mongrel mob love their family. You've got to love that person who's the most difficult, the most irritating. The one that comes up to you every time you're having coffee in the foyer and you don't want them to talk to you, but you know they're going to. Love that person. And and I'm not talking about pretend to love them. Don't put on the Christian face. I mean, get into their world. Ask some questions. That opens a way for you to be a blessing in their lives. Because when you put on that, it qualifies you for everything else. Love is the currency of heaven. Not how many hours you spend in prayer, not how many Bible verses you memorize. It is not how many people even you led to Jesus, it's how much you loved. Love is the measurement. Did you learn to love? put on love, which is the bond of perfection. You know, the best testimony that Connect Church could possibly have is that it's the most loving church on the coast. If that becomes your story, you've arrived. You just might get raptured right out of the whole place. (laughs) Chapter 5 says, Be imitators of God, therefore. Ephesians 5, 1. Be imitators of God. How do you do that? How can you imitate God? Well, you can only imitate people that you know. You can't imitate God just by reading the Bible. Folks, lots of people have read the Bible. We don't like them. How many people do you know? Don't answer this question. But how many people do you know that read the Bible and you don't like them very much? Do you know that nobody disliked Jesus except the religious leaders? Everybody liked Jesus. And a lot of the Pharisees even came to Jesus because there was something about Him that was just absolutely magnetic. What was it? He loved. Didn't matter who He was dealing with, He loved, He showed love. You can't imitate that unless you actually are exposed to the reality of it. And that requires relationship. It's a relationship that transforms you. It's a relationship that enables you to let go of the old. It's a relationship that changes the way you think. It's a relationship that helps you embrace the newness of all things. Folks, don't just have devotions, become devoted. God wants you to be transformed. And you don't have to try and transform yourself and certainly don't try to transform that person that you think needs transformation. Just love them. But folks, if you really want a transformed life, even if you've been a Christian a long time, if you want transformation from this point, surrender and let go. Stop fighting for position, stop fighting for being right. Surrender and let go and let God take you on this journey. It's absolutely fantastic. It sets you free. You can be you. You know, if I mess up, I just say sorry instead of feeling terrible that I'm not a very good Christian. God likes you guys. This place is full of color. Be colorful. Be awesome. Because He is awesome. You become like the people you hang out with. And if you hang out with Him, you will be awesome. So Father, I ask you, would you pour out your spirit of wisdom and revelation upon Connect Church here that we can know you better? Would you open the eyes of our understanding in order that we may know the hope to which we've been called, the riches of the glorious inheritance that we have in being your body, and your incomparably great power that is towards us who believe? Lord, would you bring us into the revelation of your indwelling empowering presence lord help us to not pursue knowledge but to pursue you and a relationship with you that is transformational lord i pray that your blessing would rest on your church the blessing of wisdom and revelation that they may know you better open our eyes to see it and give us our give us your grace to surrender to your process. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on church, let's put our hands together.